0: grandma got run over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as Santa But as for me and Grandpa, we believe She'd been drinking too much eggnog And we begged her not to go But she forgot her medication And she staggered out the door into the snow. When we found her Christmas morning at the scene of the attack, she had hoof prints on her forehead and incriminating claws marks on her back. Grandma got run over by a reindeer, walking home from our house Christmas Eve. There's no such thing as Santa But as for me and Grandpa, we believe Now we're all so proud of Grandpa He's been taking this so well See him in there watching football Drinking beer and playing cards with Cousin now. It's not Christmas without Grandma all the families dressed in black And we just can't help but wonder Should we open up our gifts or send them back Grandma got run over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as Santa But as for me and Grandpa, we believe goose is on the table and the pudding made of fig ah, and the blue and silver candles that would just have matched the hair in grandma's wig I've warned all my friends and neighbors better watch out for yourselves they should never give a license To a man who drives a sleigh and plays with elves. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Walking home from our house Christmas Eve. You You can say there's no such thing as Santa. But as for me and Grandpa, we believe. Sing it, Grandma.
1: Santa.
2: But as for me and Grandpa,
3: we believe. Well hello there. You might want to pull up a chair. This is one wild file. Okay, I don't want to bury the lead. <laughs> so. Oh, just so let me pull up the file here. Um, the song you just heard, "Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer," is a novelty Christmas song written by a person named Randy Brooks. The song was originally performed by the husband and wife duo of Elmo Elmo <laughs> Shropshire and Patsy Trigg in 1979. Well, isn't that interesting? So here's the deal. Let me kind of well. This file is like 60 pages, okay? So what I tried to do was put it into sections because I just started out very innocently looking at one thing and it unwrapped this entire entire deal about Santa. And it's fascinating from the standpoint that, you know, Santa is, after all, an anagram for Satan, right? <laughs> and, um, so here's what I'm gonna do today because this all boils into the um, who these people worship, okay, and there's going to be a lot more to come after. I, I'm trying to keep it to the point that we can focus in on this and hopefully send you off on a search for more information, because once you start to unlock the right keywords, because... <laughs> There's a lot of different ideas as far as, you know, there's no real clear idea of, first of all, when was Jesus born, you know, as far as this whole Christmas picture, okay? And spoiler, spoiler alert, in the last, I don't know, year or two, the Vatican has come out and said that the St. Nicholas character never really existed, okay? So keep that into context while I go through the show today, okay, because... What I believe, and I'm sharing with you why I believe this, is that this is actually an extraordinarily clever trick, okay? You traumatize all the children in the world with this idea of somebody coming down a chimney, and the good children, the bad children, and I'm not going to get too engaged right now, but the whole thing is, it's really a horror show set up for children, right? And then the parents come along and trying to solve this issue. And, you know, let's face it, it's getting parents to lie to their children at a very formative stage. So, and whether you did it to your children or not is not the issue right now, because my point here is this was such a, I would rate this as such a great manipulation on their part that I'll just share with you all the way that I got here, okay, without trying to get, uh, So anyhow, so yeah, so here's... And it's also, you've heard me say a million times that evil has to come packaged as help to really work. And what is more evil than Santa? So, and you know, they're coming out in the open with a lot of this stuff because uh, I'll just update a couple of things. Because there was a um, thing called the Commonwealth Games. Okay, Commonwealth Games 2022 opening ceremony just type in those words okay Commonwealth Games 2022 opening ceremony and that featured this mythical remember we're talking really about mythical things here right So that featured this mythical character called ball baAL okay right there in the open they brought this thing out in the open it was it was a um, <laughs> it's something else so go go watch it okay commonwealth games 2022 opening ceremony okay and then there's another clip to look for these kids supposedly accidentally in a disney thing they flash the word satan instead of santa so um yeah so uh, because i i heard a lot about um that christmas had been something else before it was Christmas but I really didn't know in my head um, because there's all these messages around there as far as let's put Christ back in Christmas movement and I'm very confused about it all right I was confused about who is Lucifer who is Satan Are the, I, I kind of had co-mingled them as being the same person so <laughs> so anyway so and what really my main point here is which got me into this whole Christmas deal is, well, when I was looking into, was there something besides Christmas, okay? Did something convert from Christmas from what it supposedly was to what it is, okay? And actually it did. There's this whole thing called Saturnalia Okay, Saturnalia. It's held in mid-December. It's an ancient Roman pagan festival honoring the agriculture god Saturn. Now, from Saturn, I just took off into a a completely different, in a million different directions here. So I tried to put them into concept for you, okay? Because I believe that Saturn is who they worship, okay? And what I found interesting is... um, In the past, I've talked about one of their mythical people called Nimrod, and Nimrod was the one who'd married his mother. (laughs) Anyhow, so, yeah, so all these pieces really start to come together in a pretty interesting way, right? Because what better way than to get the whole world to worship their idol as Santa, who is really Satan, right? they get people bowing to them, they get the gifts, they get the whole thing going. And I have some interesting clips. One clip that I'll be playing, this guy explains um, the different things like with the, the Yule logs and the tree in the house that people do to mimic for Christmas, but it's really about satanic stuff. So he explains all that better. So let me get back to what I was gonna try to explain. So anyway, so I started looking at the Saturnalia thing. And I thought, well, Saturnalia is Saturn, right? And I have no clue what Saturn is, okay? (laughs) So I will weed you through here because, interestingly enough, our friends at NASA um, just showed pictures of what they see as Saturn (laughs) from their computer department. So, So I'll get to that. So let me start wandering. And then I'm going to stick with all of this for today because... I'm also processing all of this, so I certainly hope you'll be typing away with keywords. And if you want to look further about some of these things, don't forget to go over to Yandex, the Russian search engine, Y-A-N-D-E-X.com, and just start exploring. (laughs) So, so, you know, spoiler alert, they have fessed up that um, St. Nicholas never existed, according to the church, the last couple of years. But anyway, let's unwind what this story tells us, okay? So um, what happened was Saturnalia was held in mid Saturnalia was held in mid-December, is an ancient Roman pagan festival honoring the agriculture god Saturn. Because of when the holiday occurred near the winter solace, Saturnalia celebrate celebrations are the source of many of the traditions we now associate with Christmas such as wreaths, candles, feasting, and gift-giving. Saturn was a god in ancient Roman religion and a character in Roman mythology. He was described as a god of time, generation, dissolution, abundance, wealth, agriculture, periodic renewal, and liberation. Saturn's mythical reign was... Myth, excuse me, Saturn's mythological reign, that means fantasy, right kids? Let's keep that straight. Mythological reign was depicted as a golden age of abundance and peace. The Roman land preserved the remembrance of a very remote time during which Saturn and Janus reigned on the site of the city before its foundation, and it was his capital it was called saturnias and you'll also notice in some of these things they talk about the people came home because of being taxed and I thought well that's interesting they certainly introduced this idea of everybody paying taxes in an interesting biblical kind of way so um, anyway so um, Saturn was a god in ancient Roman religion Okay, I read that part again. Um, after the Roman conquest, conquest of Greece, so, so after the Roman conquest of Greece, he was, that we're talking about Saturn here, Saturn was conflated with the Greek titan, Cronus, C-R-O-N-U-S, and that's an important word to keep in mind here. And this is where the, their weirdness comes in. Saturn's consort was his sister, Oops, OPS, with whom he fathered, with whom he fathered Jupiter, Neptune, Pluto, Juno, Ceres, and Vesta. So um, Saturn reigned, okay, during the golden age abundance and peace after they supposedly conquested Greece. He had a relationship with his sister named Oops, O-P-S, with whom he fathered Jupiter, Neptune, Pluto, Juno, Ceres, and Vesta. Okay, so this is an important part of the story here, okay? Saturn was especially celebrated during the festival of Saturnalia each December, perhaps the most famous of the Roman festivals, a time of feasting, role reversals, free speech, gift giving, and revelry. The temple of Saturn in the Roman, the day of the week Saturday, are both named after and were associated with him. Although Probably the best-known Roman holiday, Saturnalia, as a whole, is not described from beginning to end in any single ancient source. Modern understanding of the festival is pieced together from several accounts dealing with various aspects. The Saturnalia was the dramatic setting of the multi-volume work of that name by, of that name, oh, somebody, okay, you look for a multi-volume work called the Saturnalia, okay, by this person called Macrobius, M-A-C-R-O-B-I-U-S, okay, they're the first ones that define this thing from many accounts, okay, um, This Macrobius is a Latin writer from late antiquity who is the major source for information about the holiday. Okay, keep this straight. It was all pieced together from this other stuff, right? So, okay, so, sticking with the story here. Okay. um, Macrobius describes the reign of Justinus, J-U-S-T-I-N-U-S, as King Satan. King Saturn, as a time of great happiness, both on account of the universal plenty that prevailed and because as yet there was no division into bond and free, as one may gather from the complete license enjoyed by slaves at this, well, okay, let me unpack this. It's made me a little dizzy, the sentence is so long. So the slaves, I guess, during Saturnalia were um, able to gather around with everybody else during that time. Yeah, because they have the slaves actually knocking on door. Anyway, so it's, it's a complicated story, and there's many versions of it. I'm just trying to unpack the ones that seem to make the most sense to me. So in, in Lucian's um, in Lucian Saturnalia... It is Cronus himself who proclaims a festive season when tis lawful to be drunken and slaves has license to revile revile their lord. So yeah, during that period, slaves could also get drunk, okay? In one interpretation of Macrobius' work, Saturnalia is a festival of light leading to the winter solace with the abundance presence of candlelight symbolizing the quest for knowledge and truth. The renewal of light and the coming of the year was celebrated in the later Roman Empire as the birthday of the unconquerable sun on December 25th. There's a lot here to this light business because... Some people, and remember, when you start to wander around into some of these websites, it gets going to crazy town sometimes, okay? (laughs) Um, There's a lot of different beliefs out there. So, um, uh, what was I going to say about that? Oh, some people believe that, like, the light that the Statue of Liberty has in her hand is called the Light of Lucifer, okay? Because this light business enters into this mythological thing here. Just like... On JFK's um, gravesite, well, fake gravesite, they put a light, a, a flaming light. That's also there, what they put on some of these famous fake deaths, like Princess Diana, they did that light of Lucifer thing at the tunnel of that place. So anyway, so yeah, it's something, it, It's the light thing is important to them, and the light thing connects down the road here to this Lucifer concept, okay? So that's why they're talking about this renewal of light, okay? But, you know, it also, to me, it gets the parents to lie to their own children, right? To add confusion about what lies are, to create mistrust in the early bonding stages. Because when I was looking into this, I gotta tell you, um, they're not, children, children, and I'm just guessing here, okay, this is not an official study or anything, but it appeared to me that when children first are introduced to the Santa concept, they cry and they act like they, they want to get away, right? And the parents and the other people laugh and take pictures. Well, that, that seems kind of horrifying as a child, right? So then at that juncture, the rest of your life during Christmas, remember when Johnny was hysterical on on Santa's lap? I mean, this whole scheme does has a lot of legs of how it is psychologically warfare from infant to adult right <laughs> I, mean, I gotta tell you this is something else so yeah because I call it now rug-pulling psychological warfare right get all the kids thinking they're gonna get gifts get most of them disappointed in what gifts they do or don't get yeah build it up to a big crescendo with all this fancy music and all this stuff going on And I think it's like, I was thinking the other day that it's like the, um, you remember when I was talking about, and this this show is in the title, when they had the orphan trains in this country. I talked about that, I don't know, the last year, but orphan trains is in the title. And what was significant in my mind about that whole story was this, was that, you know, all these children were used to populate this country from infants to toddlers, right? and they were all put on trains and sent around this country is just the synopsis, right? And um, talk about initial cruelty because that set up that whole generation of people who didn't even know that they were probably orphans, right? Because they literally got dropped off in different towns. And um, what it created was they're they're always going after our bonding with each other, right? So what, what really got me about that whole story was that all of these kids thought it was just them they didn't know any other kids that suffered that way so that's how they sold that entire fucking drama was they got each kid to believe that um, it was only them that got it that no other kids got it and um, I think they did this thing with the Santa deal too because they get kids to believe that every other kid is getting fucking gifts and stuff right which really as it turns out is satanic worship but I'll calm down here a second so They get every kid to think they're the only ones who doesn't get all the gifts they want, right? Talk about isolation and fear and control. So, yeah, and it really, it seems to me like it takes a pretty big hit on the parent and child uh, bonding when the first thing out of the child's mouth is lies from the parents, right? So, but anyway, so, yeah, and, you know, and, and then the part about these memories of a child screaming and crying and really in the arms of Satan, who everybody thinks is Santa, right? This child becomes memorialized as something that the family makes into another part of this huge and strange transition, right? So this becomes a tradition of pain and terror, if you ask me. Yeah, just like they're now getting parents to turn their kids over to be mutilated, to become transgender. I mean, people want to talk all they want about these stories about them taking children and turning them over to be... Um, Transformed or horrors happening among them, but a lot of this is happening by the own parents' hands because of this horrible, horrible setup they came up with this thing. So, let me go here for one second. Um, so, I don't know what it all means. I, I don't know what it all means, but let me keep rambling along here, okay? Um, because there's also something in all of this symbolism, okay, with the symbols number six in particular, okay. And, um, you know, we have, you know, the pentagrams, and then they have the five-star symbol, and that's, you know, the Pentagon, and the Department of Defense is a building called the Pentagon. <laughs> you know, they're freaks for symbols. So when you start to look around, it starts to be a lot of things. So what I found interesting I remember in the past I've talked about sheriffs in this country being parts of gangs. This is not just something I cooked up, okay? But here's an interesting thing I had in this file. Let's lighten this up a bit here. Um, sheriff in the ancient Egyptian was a lawgiver, and his badge was always a six pointed star, which is a symbol of Saturn. Saturn. See, all this stuff always comes back to Saturn, right? Okay, so, because that's who I believe they worship. U.S. sheriffs in the Wild West and up to today still wear this six-pointed star. And it's also interesting that Saturn's symbol is the six-pointed star. Saturn is the sixth planet from the sun. Saturday, which is Saturday, is the sixth day of the week. And now, NASA has been receiving images of the Saturn hexagon, which is a six-sided feature. A hexagon is six sides of something, okay? And, yeah, it's just crazy, isn't it? Um, And where are they getting this from? NASA is getting this thing, and I I have something down here about it. But anyway, so Saturn just got exposed by NASA to be a hexagon (laughs) in the last few years. I could not be making this stuff up if I sat around and tried all year, okay? (laughs) I'm just thankful I've been recorded as I go along because this is a wild and crazy story. So anyway, so Saturn brings us to the number six, right? And um, the sixth chakra of the human energy system is, the third eye, our pineal gland, which I believe they've been trying to block our pineal gland and our energy um, From all of this stuff that but you know, this is a this is a road too far to spin down right this second Okay, because what better, you know, because there's always these tricks around the sun and stuff Which is interesting because they seem to worship the sun business But want to tamper with it when it comes to us. So yeah, so I believe that there's something going on with clogging up this pineal gland and stuff with different things that they're doing because um, um, it says, when your third eye chakra opens up, you develop your sixth sense of intuition and spirituality. Now I wouldn't take that interpretation with anything but a grain of salt because remember these people are all evil, but I do believe that there is a common sense thing here that they had to disconnect us from whatever we can be connected to to pull off this grand scheme of things okay so let me try not to get too far off here on that stuff okay and also I found another thing that angels have halos rings around their heads and Saturn is the only planet with a halo ring around it so yeah um and also this has to do with Saturn I'm continuing on these were just Conclusive, these, these were just things that I, that I found that I thought, oh, okay, well, that makes it even more interesting. Okay, when you get married, you get married before God. And the symbol of that God is the ring that you put on each other's fingers. That is called the ring of Saturn. In the marriage phases, one also begins to see what that has to do with Saturn. So when you get married, you get married with a ring well, I repeated that twice, sorry. You're wearing God's ring, and the yarmulke was a ring that you wear on your head if you're a Jew. And you do this for Satan, your God, which makes a great deal of sense, right? Saturn, your God, but I, I keep thinking it is Satan, right? So, even in the Middle Ages, in the temples, Catholic monks would shave their heads in a round circle, and the Hebrews, instead of doing that, would wear the yarmulke. So yeah, the, um, there is this round symbolism that has to do with Satan. If you look at religious portraits of all these religious leaders and people, look, look at the paintings they've done through time, okay? They show a ring behind their head. All these Jesus paintings, all these saint paintings, that in fact is the ring of Saturn. Okay, so if you follow my train of thought here, it is really putting the it's putting the ring of Satan over people's heads, right, and getting people to behave in ways that worship their Satan under this Saturn thing. So yeah, it's, it's the symbolism is um, welcome to that rabbit hole, kids, because it's a fascinating one. Go start looking at old pictures of paintings they've done, and they all, in fact, have that ring around their head. And that is exactly why, because they're symbolizing Satan to us, okay, with with the ring of Saturn. Okay. And this is a little history about Saturn. His story, right, his story or mythology, however you want to look at this stuff. With the deposing of his father, Saturn became the ruler of the universe for untold ages, and he reigned with his sister, Oops, who also became his wife. It was prophesied that one day Saturn would lose power when one of his children would depose him. To prevent this from happening, each time Oops Delivered a child, Saturn would immediately swallow it. When her sixth child, Jupiter, also known as Zeus, was born, Oops had him spirited away to the island of Crete. She then wrapped a stone in her swaddling clothes. Her deception was complete when Satan's Saturn swallowed it, thinking it was the child. When This story is kind of confusing to me, too, so just hang in there. Um, so, she wrapped a stone in his... Oh, she wrapped a stone. I, I, don't, I don't get about the stone part, but... When Jupiter was grown, he secured the job of a cupbearer to his father. So, I'm guessing that Saturn swallowed it but didn't kill him. Um, Jupiter fed his father a potion that caused him to vomit up Jupiter. <laughs> okay, so all along, Saturn had been <laughs> swallowing children, okay? This must be where all these um, children being eaten by these people stories evolved from, right? Um, so, Saturn has kids with his sister, oops, and, uh, let me see here, it wasn't until, so Saturn all along is swallowing these kids, so when they had their sixth child, everything is about six, right, Jupiter was born, and, uh, she saved Jupiter by some method with these rocks and stuff, okay, and, um, with the help of, I'm just continuing to read this story. With the help of Gaia, his grandmother, Jupiter fed his father a potion that caused him to vomit up Jupiter's five siblings, Vesta, Cyrex, June, Pluto, and Neptune. So, um, I, I don't know what else to say about that, um, uh, <laughs> and remember, actual people sat around and wrote up these stories, okay, um, um, yeah, so, uh, also, um, uh, okay, let me get into this part now about the um, NASA deal. This is pretty interesting. Okay. Um, Because it's real recent. It's in the last few years. Which, you know, this is all thing about they're coming up with astrology and these hexagrams and, you know, pentagrams and all these numbers and all those kind of stuff. This is their belief system, okay? So... I do believe, sincerely, that what they have planned coming up for us is going to be coded in all of this stuff, right? I mean, so, so no information is really worth kind of discounting at this point, okay? So um, supposedly few missions have visited Saturn. There was a Pioneer 2... And Voyagers 1 and 2 supposedly flew by Saturn, okay? <laughs> but there's a, um, there is a, a word you're looking for if you're into astrology and stuff. There was a, I guess a satellite or whatever they call it, called Cassini, C-A-S-S-I-N-I. Now that orbit is Saturn 294 times from 2004 to 2017. So what they discovered and I won't mire you in too much of these details because it's actually very interesting I would consider going there yourself. Just type in NASA Cassini and you'll find it. So what they supposedly saw, which is actually, I'll stop here and tell you, this North Pole business, this is what started me on this whole journey <laughs> when I realized that Saturn was near the North Pole, which of course, remember, I had no knowledge of any of this stuff, right? But I knew the North Pole from the Santa stories, so that's actually when my brain kind of clicked in and thought, hey, wait a minute, Santa, Satan, North Pole, so anyway, so... Okay, so interestingly enough, the North Pole enters the picture here, okay. Saturn's hexagon is a person, this is their, their wordage I'm reading from NASA, okay. But first, what's a hexagram? A hexagram is a figure with six straight sides and angles, okay. That's all a hexagram is, okay. And what they saw was Saturn's hexagram is a persistent, approximately hexagonal cloud pattern around the north pole of the planet Saturn, located about 78 degrees north. The sides of the hexagon are about 14,500 kilometers, or 9,000 miles for fellow American idiots, (laughs) which is about 2,000 miles, or 1,200 miles longer than the diameter of Earth. Okay, so Saturn is pretty big, um, 9,000 miles long, uh, 2,000, 1,200 miles, anyway, yeah. Uh, It went on to say, I better just stick with reading this because the numbers start to jumble in my brain here. Okay, and this is according to NASA, I got this from their website. The hexagon may be a bit more than 29,000 kilometers or 18,000 miles. Um, Maybe 300 kilometers high or 190 miles high. It may be a jet stream made of atmospheric gases moving at 320 kilometers. It rotates with a period of and the same period as Saturn's radio emissions from its interior. Anyway, if you're really into scientific stuff and you're a lot smarter than I am, go look at Saturn and hexagon and this NASA stuff because you'll be able to um, make more sense, okay? So let me just stick with a little bit more of the history here. (laughs) Saturn's hexagon was discovered during the Voyage mission. Voyager mission in 1981 and was later revisited by the Cassini Huygens, that's cassini huygens in 2006. During the Cassini mission, the hexagon changed from a mostly blue color to more of a golden color. Saturn's south pole does not have a hexagon as verified by Hubble observations. It does, however, have a vortex and there's also a vortex inside the northern one. So beyond that, <laughs> that is all I know, of that somehow um, NASA said, oh look, there's a hexagon on Saturn, okay, recently. Santa Claus, also known as Father Christmas, St. Nicholas, St. Nick, Kris Kringle, or simply Santa, is a legendary character originating in in Western Christian culture. Did you hear that part? Originating in Western Christian culture, who is said to bring children gifts during the late evening and overnight hours on Christmas Eve of toys and candy or coal, or nothing, depending on whether they are naughty or nice. He supposedly accomplishes this with the aid of Christmas elves, who make the toys in his workshop, often said to be at the North Pole, and flying reindeer who pull his sleigh through the air. The modern character of Santa is based on folklore traditions surrounding St. Nicholas, the English- figure of Father Christmas and the Dutch figure of Santa Claus. Santa is generally depicted as a portly, jolly, white bearded man, often with spectacles, wearing a red coat with white fur coat white fur collar and cuffs, the white fur cuffed red trousers, red hat with white fur, and black leather belt and boots carrying a bag full of gifts for children. He is commonly portrayed as having as laughing in a way that sounds like ho ho ho. This image became popular in the United States and Canada in the 19th century due to the significance of the 1823 poem A Visit from Saint Nicholas. Character Char- characterous, characterous, God, excuse me, early. and political cartoonist Thomas Nast also played a role in the creation of Santa's image the image has been maintained and reinforced through song, radio television, children's books family Christmas, di- Christmas traditions, films and advertising Yeah, so from cartoonist Thomas Nast in Harper's Weekly in 1863, okay? Um, They say that in his origins he can be traced back hundreds of years to a monk named St. Nicholas. And it's said that he gave away all of his inherited wealth and traveled the countryside helping the poor and sick. But as I mentioned earlier in the show, um, the church recently came out and said that, well, St. Nicholas was never really found. So (laughs) he's also said to bring gifts to the homes of well-behaved children on the night of Christmas Eve or something or, or during the early mornings of Christmas day and coal to naughty children. And then I have this piece here because I was way confused between, um, what is Satan and what is Lucifer, right? Um, So, Satan and Lucifer are often confused and misrepresented in the media. However, understanding these two characters is important for understanding Christianity and the Bible. And this is a quick overview I found, okay? Satan is the fallen angel who tempted Jesus in the wilderness. He is also the mastermind behind all humanity's sinfulness. Lucifer is Satan's primary opponent and most powerful servant. He is also known as the morning star or the light bearer. The biggest difference between Satan and Lucifer is in their role in the Bible. While Satan tempted Jesus... Lucifer served as his royal servant. He helped lead Jesus to crucifixation, but was later thrown out of heaven for rebelling against God. In contrast, Satan is known for, ha- for, for being a rebel against God who desires to have humans ruled by him instead of God. So... Um, Satan tempted Jesus. Lucifer served as his servant. But Lucifer got Jesus to be crucified. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I, then I had some other... I, I'll just read you some of these questions that I had because I was quest, kept questioning this Satan and Jesus stuff. Satan and Lucifer are two different characters in the Bible. Satan is portrayed as a liar, a cheat, and a murderer. He also desires to overthrow God and rule the world. Lucifer, on the other hand, is portrayed as a kind and loving angel. He is also known for his wisdom and knowledge. The main difference between Satan and Lucifer is their role in the Bible. Satan was created by God and is a rebel against him, while Lucifer was created to be God's champion. So then I was wondering because I kept hearing the name Satan and the devil. So I asked, How did the devil become known as Satan? Okay, here's the answer for that. Satan's name comes from the Hebrew word Satan, meaning adversary. In the Hebrew Bible, the devil is a powerful figure who tempts people into sin. The New Testament expands on this idea, describing Satan as a rival angel who opposed God. In Christian art and literature, Satan also often has horns and a tail. Uh, then I, what, what are the characteristics of Satan? Satan is a fallen angel who re- rebelled against God. He is the devil or the evil one, and he is motivated by greed, envy, and hatred. Satan's main goal is to ruin h- human life and keep people in bondage to sin. Lucifer is the original angel who led the rebellion against God. He was also known as the Morning Star or the Angel of Light. Lucifer was proud and ambitious, but he eventually fell from grace and was cast out of heaven. Lucifer became Satan's right-hand man, and together they waged a war on God. So that starts to make more sense to me, at least, how you know these words were just kind of like totally jumbled in my brain to put it like, mildly. Okay, okay. Um, and then I was wondering, you know, all this stuff about um, how do people worship Satan, right? That was my question. Many people believe that worshiping Satan means obeying his every command. The reason I was asking that question just to put it in context here was because it appears to me that this whole Santa concept is to get people to worship Satan, right? So that was why I asked that question. So th- this was what the answer I got was. And if you are bold and <clears throat> go down some of these satanic believer sites, it it it's it just <clears throat> it's pretty madness, right? Uh, you, you really you really walk off the highway into some crazy zones there. So this was a pretty pretty clear answer as far as why they worship, at least it made sense to me, because I believe they're trying to control and get to manipulate us to worship who they worship is the bottom line here. And I just believe that. Okay, this is the reason I'm sharing my work is so everybody can kind of thinky-thinky for themselves. <laughs> okay, so many people believe that worshiping Satan means obeying his every command. However, there is a big difference between obeying and worshipping him. Worshipping means offering your full and complete respect and adoration to someone or something. Obeying means doing what someone tells you to do out of respect for their authority. Satan is portrayed as the arch enemy of God in many religious texts. But this doesn't mean that he demands blind obedience from his followers. Oh, wait a second. I gotta keep, I've got a battery problem, and the last thing I want to have is a thing to disconnect. Okay, hold on. Okay. Okay, where was I? Satan is portrayed as the arch-enemy of God in many religious texts. But this doesn't mean that he demands blind obedience from his followers. In fact, one of the things that makes him so dangerous, we're talking about Satan here, is his ability to tempt humans into sinning against God. While some people may view this as a way to earn God's wrath, others see it as an opportunity to learn about themselves and their own strengths and weaknesses. Well, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'm going to um, take a very quick break here in our um, fun day and um, play you a little Christmas music.
2: Christmas is the time when we should get together to share the happiness and joy To see the smiling faces of the little girls and boys Christmas is the time when we should all give thanks To the Lord above us For watching over us and sending down His precious love Let's not forget those less fortunate than us We must give our love all of the time Christmas is the time to pray with one another Give thanks to God above
3: I think that Christmas has it all, doesn't it? The manipulation, psychological imprinting, I mean, please. Um, The sales. Okay, where was I here? Um, Okay. Oh, I had some more, um, you know, you can find a million different ideas so I, I, I continued looking at um, and here's I'll just read from this okay Satan is also portrayed as a devil but what's the difference between Satan and Lucifer Christians invented Satan while Lucifer is an ancient figure from pagan mythology and then they said here's a look at the key differences okay so Satan and Lucifer Christians invented Satan, okay? And Lucifer came from the historians, right? Um, Okay. Number one, Satan is a figure originating in Christianity, while Lucifer is an ancient figure from pagan mythology. In Christianity, number two, excuse me, in Christianity, Satan represents evil and temptation, while in pagan mythology... Lucifer represents light and goodness. Number three, Satan was originally a symbol of opposition to God, while Lucifer was seen as a symbol of hope and inspiration. Number four, in Christianity, Satan is often depicted as a snake or dragon. While in pagan mythology, he may be depicted as an angel or man. Now, this is the part, okay, because remember, we're dealing with people that actually wear snakes on their logos, right? (laughs) And I didn't write this stuff, so. Okay. um, You know, all this stuff with the snakes, the dragons. Anyhow, so I hope that, helps clear things up so Satan is thought to be behind the evil in the world while Lucifer is often seen as a symbol of hope and progress I guess what what it probably means is this is that everything is mirrored right dual world so everybody agrees that Satan is a pretty evil person right or evil entity or whatever the hell you want to call it so everybody agrees that Satan is evil um but they would probably want to show us images of Lucifer as being good and light-bearing. Otherwise, they, remember they put that light in the Statue of Liberty's hand. <laughs> Welcome to world of Satan. <laughs> because I thought for a long time that the United States is a creation to be somehow the worship of Satan. Then <laughs> all these people are definitely into something. So, yeah, so uh, okay, so um so that shows to me the duality of it all, okay? In Roman folklore, Lucifer, the light it, Lucifer means light bringer in Latin, okay, was the name of the planet Venus, though it was often personified as a male figure bearing a torch. The Greek name for this planet was variously Phosphorus, also meaning lightbringer or heteropros meaning dawnbringer. Lucifer was said to be the fabled son of Aurora A U R O R A and Cephalus, and father of Civic C E Y X. He is often presented in poetry as heralding the dawn. So that's the various ideas about Lucifer, okay? So, Lucifer was also the name of the planet Venus, okay? So, and Venus was the one who bared the torch, okay? Planet Venus, in alignment with Mercury, oh, see, that was just a picture, okay. So, the Latin word corresponding to Greek, phosphorus, is Lucifer. So there's all these words that lead back to Lucifer. It is used in its astronomical sense both in prose and poetry. Sometimes poets personify the star, placing it in mythological context. That's that star we see everywhere, right? Um, they have like stars on the flag for the United States. All, all those stars are very significant to these people, okay? Um, oh, well, you know, like I said, this file is kind of a mess, but this was, this was the part about the, um, and just so you understand, trying to put like over 60 pages (laughs) into different kind of context, a little bit complicated. So anyway, so let's get over to the NASA time again. I wish I had some, um, swift NASA music to play, but I don't. Okay. Okay, and keep in mind, they have based their entire world on these numbers, what degree this is, what specifically this word is, and all of this. So I will read from what their text says, okay? And this was a text that I found that was published on March the 27th, 2007. And everything they do has some significance in numbers, okay? Okay, it read... A bizarre six-sided feature encircling the North Pole of Saturn near 78 degrees north latitude has been spied by the Visual and Infrared Mapping Spectrometer on NASA's Cassini spacecraft. This image is one of the first clear images ever taken of the North Pole region as seen from a unique polar perspective originally discovered and last observed by a spacecraft during NASA's Voyager flybys of the early 1980s. They really said that, Voyager's flybys. So I guess they just flew by, right? Of the early 1980s, the new views of this polar hexagon taken in late 2006 proved that this is an unusually long-lived feature on Saturn. This image is the first to capture the entire feature in North Pole region in one shot and is also the first polar view using Saturn's thermal glow at 5 microns, which is 7 times the wavelength visible to the human eye as a light source. This allows the pole to be revealed during the nighttime conditions presently underway during a North Polar Winter. Phew, I'm glad we cleared that up. (laughs) Okay, I'm continuing on from this NASA page. Previous images from Voyager and from ground-based telescopes suffered from poor viewing perspectives, which placed the feature and the North Pole at the extreme north limb, or edge of the planet. To see the deep atmosphere at night, the infrared instrument images the thermal glow radiation from Saturn's death. I don't know. They have to have some infrared images. Clouds at depths of 75 kilometers are lower than the clouds at visible wavelengths, blocking this light, appearing dark and so... (laughs) well i'm losing myself here um to show features to show clouds as features that are if you and if you want the serious version it's right on the NASA website <laughs> okay to show clouds as features that are bright or white rather than dark the original image has been contrast reversed to produce the image shown here well yeah um, That is really uh, about it. Okay, uh, so the Cassini hydrogen mission is a cooperative project of NASA, the European Space Agency, and the Italian Space Agency. The Jet Propulsion Laboratory, a division of the California Institute of Technology in Pasadena, manages, manages the mission for NASA's science mission directive. The Cassini orbiter was designed, developed, and assembled at JPL, whatever the hell that means. Um, The visual and infrared mapping spectrometer team is based at the University of Arizona where this image was produced. Yeah, well, I'm sure they're probably where their graphics department is done, right? Okay, Um, okay, now, yeah, that's a story about how NASA now has discovered this hexagram thing. Okay, Saturn was one of the most expressly mentioned planets in the Bible, is what I found, along with Venus and Earth. Um, It's also represented by Chun and Rimpin in the Bible in Hebrew, and is expressed as a planet in charge of the Jews, which really, I'm being serious, I don't know what that means, that's just what it says, okay. Um. So I don't know. I. I <laughs> and then I had some of these. Um, you know, all these all these names keep popping up, like the Iahoros, Horus and all of them, um, with all these planets and stuff I've been looking into. So I pulled in some of this planet stuff. Um, because remember, they, they wrote this story, right? So it's a little bit early on to start discounting any of what this is it's mythology, right? And we need to put it into our, our brains to kind of <laughs> try to make it make sense. So um, there was this thing about the Greek Osiris chopped into 13 pieces. I don't know. I, I these people. Um, it was just these weird things. I, I guess I just had I had a list of weird things that they do. Um, yeah. Okay. I had I just had this list of weird things that they do. So I don't want to start brushing past things. I'll just go ahead and read it. Um, so there's this Greek Osiris chopped into thirteen pieces and collects all of his pieces save his phallus. These people are really into that phallus business, aren't they? Okay, Horus, son of Osir and Oset, sets out to avenge the death and dismemberment of his father by confronting Set Horus in vict- Excuse me. By confronting his. By confronting. By confronting Set. Okay, Horus, the son of these Osir and Aset, set out to avenge the death and dismemberment of his father by confronting Set, Set must be the person who did this. Horus is victorious over Set and Asur, being brought back from the dead, becomes lord of the underworld. In this drama, that gives us a cosmic conflict between good and evil being embodied by Set. This is not to say that Set was always seen as an evil character in ancient Egyptian theology. There are many times in ancient Egyptian history where conflicts between different houses and also now remember we're looking at different royal houses who are in fact running this whole thing. So um, That's why I had this whole piece about this stuff because it all boils back to the royal houses and Way, way too much to get into right this second. So, okay, so. Um, Set was always seen as an evil character in ancient Egyptian theology. Um, and many conflicts between houses led to the depreciation of one god relative to another. The Eye of Horus, a famous stylized version of the Saturn configuration popular in ancient Egyptian culture. So isn't that interesting that Eye of Horus that we see all over is a stylized version of Saturn. See how this all starts to make sense? Um, The all-seeing eye on the US dollar note is the most modern symbolic incarnation of the Saturn configuration. All roads are certainly leading back to Saturn. Wouldn't you say, kids? Okay. Um, Mythology tells us Venus was born out of Saturn. The ejection of the planetary body that became known as Venus was a particularly violent result of Saturn's flaring after contact with the sun Hillosphere. What that means, I don't know. Um, No, I know for sure I read this stuff so let me scan down here about the sheriff and the six things okay um, yeah and I read about him having children with his sister and stuff um, Saturn always had a negative if not evil significance in ancient times it has been called the great melisiphus. M-A-L-E-F-I-C which was opposed to Jupiter, which is the greater benefix. Saturn is esoterically associated with man's limitations, with man's limitations, restrictions, death, and decay. His Greek name for Saturn was Kronos, K-R-O-N-O-S, the ruler of time. Time became the main factor inexplicably leading to the death of mortals. Traditional representation of the Grim Reaper originate from the attributes of the god Saturn, which held the sickle with which he slain his father. Hmm. Okay, the entire world has been worshiping Satan for thousands. Excuse me, I keep let me get the words right here. This is a new blurb. The entire world has been worshipping Saturn for thousands of years. The cult has never been stopped, and its rites are still present to this day. Saturn, dubbed Lord of the Rings, is the reason why we exchange rings at weddings or put halos on the heads of godly people. Since ancient times, sages gazed at the stars, Ad, admiring their heavenly glow and attributing them to godly powers based on their effect on humans. Before the Great Flood, Saturn was regarded by all mankind as the supreme god and ruler of the kings. Occult researchers affirm that Saturn ruled the kingdom of Atlantis and became the divine ancestor ancestor of all earthly patronages and kings the cult has been per- perpetuated through numerous gods during antiquity well these royal people have to report to somebody right looks to me like it's this uh, Saturn Satan deal okay um no, I don't know about this because um, I'll just read it, okay? Cronos or Saturn, Dionysus, Hyperion, Atlas, Hercules were all connected with a great Saturnian continent. They were kings that ruled over countries on the western shores of the Mediterranean, Africa, and Spain. Yeah, like I said... Um, I don't know, um, there is, it's a, it's a it's a rabbit hole of all rabbit holes, um, and let me tell you something else that kept coming up, which I found just, um, well, a lot of the things that I've been reading about start to make a lot of sense, okay, because this goat business, right, all over online they, they just talk about that baffle mat goat, which is the goat, with two sexes and all, B-A-P-H-O-M-E-T goat, okay. And here's another goat that comes into this Saturn picture. Um, And remember, supposedly they worship those goats, so... Um, They have this character called Pan, P-A-N, okay? It's a half-man, half-goat, okay? Called P-A-N, extremely... Once you learn the right words to look for, this stuff opens up just (laughs) endless information, so... Let me try to recap what I found out about Pan because, of course, all this talk all this time about goats, right? Okay, Pan has been associated with Saturn while Saturn rules Capricorn. Capricorn is represented by a goat-fish hybrid. So Saturn rules Capricorn and Capricorn is by, by the goat and fish hybrid, okay? Okay... And this is also interesting because remember we have the word that everybody's talking about, the elites, E-L-I-T-E-S, as the the top class, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's just, once you start going down the right path, it just all starts to unfold. And I don't know, very, very interesting, at least to me, so, okay. The, The ancient name of Saturn was mentioned E-L okay um, so the ancient name was called E-L it's a reason why those that were chosen by E-L were called elites okay so that was the ancient name of, for Saturn then it said in fact the words elect elder elevated Elohim Temple, circle, gospel, apostle, disciple, evangelist, all derived from the cult of El, E-L. Angels are messengers of God, but God was E-L, which is why we have the names of archangels bearing the E-L suffix, like Raphael, Michael, Uriel, Gabriel. So yeah this EL business. Um, So the plural term Elohim appears over 2,500 times in the Old Testament but is falsely translated in most versions. This fact of plurality explains why in Genesis God's plural said let us make man in our image. Hmm. As stated, Elohim, that's E-L-O-H-I-M, refers to both gods and goddesses in its singular form. El served as a prefix or suffix to names of gods, people, and places. Whereas Emmanuel, Gabriel, Bethel, and even Satan was one of the Elohim. Huh. Yeah, you know, they all identify them by their own symbols, right? If it makes sense, it makes sense. So, you know, um, and then um, the gods of Elohim and angels, you have the EL again with the angels, the messengers of God. When witches cast a spell, EL again, they put the hex, which is the number six, on someone... Because hex is hexagram, right? We say I put a hex on your house. That's a hexagram. And when chefs deep fry something, they deep six it. Huh. Okay. Um, yeah, and then you look at all the logos. All you have to do is do a very quick search of logos using Saturn. It's pretty obvious. Um, they have... Um, saturns all over the place there's even a car called a saturn um the logos are just insanely easy to find and it just it's so over your face that it's kind of hard to you think how did i miss this all this time right um now i don't know what this means so i'll go ahead and um scan past it i think it's a um Okay, um, I'm going to, um, right now, I'm going to be playing this very popular song um, because I wanted to mix in here some things about, um, part of how the, um, you know, when you get a a music beat into somebody's brain, right, and, um, they're playing, and, um, what better beat to have in our brain than, um, Jingle bells. <laughs> How can you not want to participate in that fun <laughs> yeah all the psychological manipulations right what's more manipulating that Jingle Bell Rock song um, let me see here I had something about it um, because Jingle Bell Rocks um, the artist was Bobby Helms um, the release date was 1957 that was one of the good times were really rolling right a home for everybody a big old car in every garage 1957, Jingle Bell Rock, Bobby Helms, made one of the all-time great Christmas songs, one of the best that was still entering the charts 60 years after it was recorded. (laughs) So yeah, there's a lot of ways that we've been manipulated. So let me get back to... um, This stuff is going to be stuff that Well, I'm going to take you through it because um, I've decided that, you know, from the very beginning, you know, what, five and a half years ago, that I wasn't going to edit based on what I thought you might like to hear or not hear. So let me just keep going here. I don't know how long we are on time here, but it doesn't really matter. So um, so, um, this brings in, um, because we have those um, Moloch characters, Entering the picture and stuff. Um, um, what I think I'm going to do with this is put this into a whole different thing later because. Uh, <clears throat> but this Moloch thing is where they um, had the half man, half bull person that they made sacrifices to. But okay. Um, but they say that Moloch sign is the hexagram star and you know that hexagram star is the same thing on the star of David the um Jewish star right the ones who they're hiding as the Jewish star that also has that hexagram um so and the Jews also revere the number six and they hold the sabbath on Saturday the day of Saturn and Satan um you summon demons or take place an evil course called a hex? Yeah. um, Anyways, let me scroll down here because some of this stuff just becomes... um, If you know the right words, you can start to look a little bit deeper, okay? But sometimes you can drive yourself into the mud too quickly. (coughs) Excuse me. And also disconnect yourself from the data. So... um, I'm hoping that I'll inspire you to look deeper for yourself, um, okay, and this was another thing that I found about the history, um, I was looking into the history of these, um, tribes, his story, right, um, between them and the Roman stuff where this stuff seems to spring out of, right, um, for example, Carthage, an empire ruled by Canaanites, enslaved and sacrificed subjugated people, including infants, and is the origin of the Greco Roman Roman religious myth. As Saturn Cronus consumed his children, Jupiter, Zeus Jupiter and Zenus. Jupiter, who was also Xenus, rebelled and overthrew him, becoming the new ruler of Olympus, a religious metaphor of Rome's ascendance as Hexnoma over the Mediterranean after the destruction of Carnage. Yeah, <clears throat> it all appears to me that Satan, Saturn, um, I mean, to me there's a pretty clear connection to it all of Hey, you'll have to think for yourself because, um, okay, America's Christian founders, by contrast, chose the pentagonal star. that's the 5.1, okay, <clears throat> um, and let me see. And then it said something about the pentagram, which is a six-sided one, is not a Jewish or a cult or a satanic symbol at all, but rather a symbol revered by the Romans and Christians for millennium, adorning their architecture and art from the golden ratio. So, yeah, they have been, um, that all that stuff came from the Romans. Okay, so... So yeah, um, some of the history becomes um, just let me scroll down here. Um, so I don't know. They had the six star one, and then Americans founders came up with the five star one. Okay, that's why our star ha- star on the flag has five stars. Everything has a meaning to these people. Okay, um, and also. Um, the Pentagon is um, you know we have the American that government place called the Pentagon Um, the Pentagon is the US Department of Defense Lucifer okay I'm gonna kinda wander here Lucifer meaning light or the shiny one was the morning star which was actually the planet Venus. Okay, it was thought to be a star because it was the highest object in the sky before the sun rose. However, in the evening, it was also called the evening star because it was the brightest object in the sky after the sunset. When it went below the horizon, the mythology was that it descended into the underworld or fell from heaven. Therefore, it eventually got tied into the mythology of Satan because Satan was a fallen angel, fallen from heaven, and scribes mistakenly attached the name Lucifer to Satan. Satan was associated with Saturn in that Satan's name is derived from Saturn. The ancients believed Saturn to be the furthest planet from the sun and therefore the furthest from the sun's divine light. So it was associated with the coldness. Cold was associated with darkness and the underworld because during winter it's cold. We have shorter days and crops and other flora die or go dormant. So their mythology, the sun spent more time in the underworld during this time. Also, in astrology, which was practiced in most ancient civilizations, Saturn is directly across from the sun on the astrological wheel and therefore is its its adversary just as Satan is the sun's adversary in Christianity. So Satan, excuse me, Saturn being directly across from the sun in astrology means its adversary. Wow, it's a lot to unpack. Um, These ancient world mythologies eventually got co-opted by Christianity, who turned these stories into history, when the mythologies about the gods were often metaphors for astronomical bodies and events. Imagine that, right? It's like they knew how to use the copy and paste feature back then, right? <laughs> We're living in a copy and paste world, kids. Copy and paste—that's what it is. Okay. <clears throat> so, uh, so the Christianities turned the stories into history. Um, this was often to combine different Christian schools of thought, and also to make it easier. To incorporate pagans into Christianity by still recognizing pagan celebrations that were based on cycles of nature. They just cha- This just changed the names in mythology but kept the premises. In ancient pagan mythology Saturn was depicted by Pan. Remember that Pan I was talking about earlier? <clears throat> A half-human half-goat With horns on his head, who played a pan flute. The pan flute represented the rings of Saturn, or the harmony of the spheres. This image of Pan later became associated with images of of Satan. The god Pan was a symbol of Saturn because Saturn is enthroned in the astrological sign of Capricorn which is symbolized by the goat. Saturn is the ruling planet in the sign of Capricorn. So when Saturn is in its home sign, it is enthroned. Pan also represents man's lower nature, as does Satan. Yeah, that pan creature is something else. You will find some highly... (laughs) highly disturbing, um, just go look at Pan, P-A-N, very simple to find, in the uh, Wikipedia, and <laughs> I'm going to skip past this part and leave it up to you. <laughs> I don't believe that I should be editing things, but I also don't believe I should get bizarrely sexual about things either, <laughs> so <laughs> that's their mythology and their writing, but I'll just give you a quick overview of this Pan character, okay? Um... Pan is recognized as a god of fields, groves, woods, glens, and is often affiliated with sex. And Pan is also connected to fertility and the seasons of spring. Um. So yeah, you just go look for Pan for yourself because um, it's just a crazy thing about this goat, this Pan person having sex with goats <laughs> stone. There is a lot of. Um, a lot of things to also considering when going through all this stuff, right? Because keep in mind that, like with this um, pan creature, right? It's, it's called Aegipan, A-E-G-I-P-A-N, which literally means goat pan, okay? Was a pan who was fully goat-like rather than half goat and half man. So they have these pans, okay? Um And I would really encourage you to go look. It, it, it's a wild spin, okay? Um, and you know, they show pictures of Pan having sex with goats and these people have goats and heads. and <laughs> So what I'd like you to consider when you hopefully will go look at some of these things is this is that people wrote this stuff, okay? They wrote this stuff to manipulate, I don't know, I guess, their behavior, right? And um, to put all this stuff into making sense. I don't really know. These These are, like, huge, like, absolutely, monstrously big questions, okay? So, anyhow. So, um... I moved up a little bit here because, you know, this whole pan thing and the goats and all of that, it, it, it's, it's just huge, okay? It's, it shows a lot of bestiality with, you know, people... <laughs> yeah. Bestiality is the act of people having sex with animals and all that stuff, so yeah. You know, it, it really it really gives us a view into what their minds are. Is what I'm trying to say here, okay? Because I I, I think that's why we were always so, or at least I was, so fascinated by true crime. Because <laughs> who could have really imagined all this stuff, right? But a psychopath that wants to control our minds and stuff. So let me, so so anyway, so on this pan deal, I moved down in time to <laughs> Because go look at pan in Wikipedia, and you'll see what I mean. Um, so anyway, so. Um, in the late 19th century Pan became an increasingly common figure in literature and art they stated that between 1890, ding 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 and 1926 there was an astonishing resurgence of interest in the Pan motive and you have to really go look at what Pan means to understand uh why this stuff from 1890 to uh, 1926 was taking place, right? Um, Okay, uh, Pan appears in poetry, in novels, and children's books, and is referenced in the name of the character Peter Pan. In the Peter Pan stories, Peter represents a golden age of pre-civilization in both the minds of young children, before enculturation and education, and in the natural world outside of the influence of humans. Peter Pan's character is both charming and selfish, emphasizing our cultural confusion about whether, humans, about whether human instincts are natural and good, or uncivilized and bad, as J. M. Barry describes Peter as a betwixt and between, part animal and part human, and he uses this device to explore many issues of human and animal psychology within the Peter Pan stories. He is the eponymous Piper at the Gates of Dawn in the seventh chapter. Yeah, um, this Pan thing. Um, There was a, uh, go look at the Pan pictures and then think about what I'm saying about this Pan person being used as children saying, okay. Um, there was a, uh, Arthur Mansions, 1894 novella, The Great God Pan, uses the God's name in a simile about the whole world being revealed as it is really, seeing the Great God Pan. The novella is considered by many, including Stephen King, as being one of the greatest horror stories ever written, the great god Pan. And I will be taking a look for that myself. Pan entices villagers to listen to his pipes as if in a trance in his novel, The Blessing of Pan, published in 1927. Although the God does not appear within the story, his energy certainly evokes the younger folks of the village to reveal. Yeah, this Pan business is something else. Um, When you consider that, um, well, go look at what Pan means. um, And they say that Pan's goatish image image recalls conventional fawn-like depictions of Satan. The similarities between conventional representation of Pan and the devil were observed by occultists Alistair Crowley and Anton LaVoy. the latter who said in the Satanic Bible, this is what they said. Many pleasures revered before the advent of Christianity were condemned by the new religion. It required little change over to transform into horns and cloven hooves of Pan into a most convincing devil. Pan attributes could neatly be changed into charge with punishment sins, and so the metaphorsis was complete. Um... Yeah, I talked about it, e business and elites, but I have a little better um, understanding here of it, so I'll, I'll tell you. <clears throat> um, L, which is E L, basically means Lord or God. It is an Arabic word and it is the name for God in the ancient world. The ancient world was made up of many different cults which eventually transformed into the relig- religions, religions of today. L was also the name for Saturn, Satan, in the ancient world. So L at one point was known as Saturn or Satan. Uh, I don't know... Um, In these ancient cults, who believed in the gods Baal, Baal and Moloch, who were also versions of Satan, or I guess this Baal and Moloch are considered versions of Satan or Lucifer. But here again, see, they start to confuse the issues. So I'm going to go with what I said earlier about the difference between um, uh, the difference between them. But here's what's different: um, the um, Baal and Moloch were also Versions of Satan or Lucifer, right? Both of these gods also demanded child sacrifices from their followers. The, that ball and the Moloch, okay? Because you have those people marching around in that recent game with the thing. Moloch is a name or term that applies several times in the Hebrew Bible, primarily in the book of Levit- Leviticus, The Bible strongly condemns practices associated with Moloch, which appears to have included child sacrifice. Traditionally, Moloch has been better understood as referring to a Canaanite god. So, um, these words, uh, Moloch, which is also Known as Satan, was represented by a bull. That's what they were pulling around in that European thing recently, and its followers had to make child sacrifices. So this is where this child sacrifice thing comes from. Is this Moloch character, okay. Um, <clears throat> and then we have Baal, b a a l which can also be shown as a bull or a ram, okay. Um, And then the one that we see more commonly is the Baphomet. That's the one that is half male, half female, sitting in the chair. Baphomet came later and was a satanic deity that the Knights of Templars were accused of worshiping. That supposedly was incorporated into occult and mystical traditions. All three entities are representative of Satan, Lucifer, and involve child sacrifice. You know, you, you'll start to see the patterns because a lot of things become kind of copy and pasted, if you want to know what I mean. But anyway, so um, it's interesting when you, when you learn to look around at some of the symbolism because uh, this Moloch thing, um, they have the um, bull on Wall Street as a bull. Um, <laughs> Okay, now this is another interesting part about the Saturn business, okay? Just because Saturn is all over our visual, once you start taking a look at the Saturn stuff, I've just tried to condense my notes the parts that would not totally confuse the issue, but hopefully engage and interest people. (laughs) That's a big one. So, they have these black cubes we see all over, okay? They're called the large black cubes of Saturn. are displayed as markers around the world in places where they want to display their symbolism, okay? Um, and they do them at, let me see here, um, Olympic closing events. Uh, what you want to look for is the black cube of Saturn, okay? The black cube of Saturn, the black cube of Saturn and satanic symbology is incorporated into various religions around the world that many worshippers are completely unaware of. So, big thing to take a look at. I found it, well, pretty interesting. Like, very interesting. You know, it's, it's all right in front of us. We just need to uh, freshen up our eyesight. <laughs> Okay. Uh yeah, and this um they have all these things out there as far as go look at this cube business, okay? Um like when you flatten a 3-dimensional cube into a 2-dimensional figure, you create a Christian cross. <laughs> These people are so into symbols, so I, I would just caution you that if you find it interesting, that is absolutely terrific. But here's here's the deal: they want to bury our brains with so much that we won't surface for air, really understand how this stuff happens. So that's why I really encourage uh, silence. See 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 what direction your own head gets pointed to with all this, because this is well, you know. This is, this is kind of like the big puzzle of all well, puzzles, right? Now that we're here at this point and take understanding of what does Santa mean? What does Satan mean? So. In Judaism, the six-pointed star of David represents Satan and originates from Saturn. Orthodox Jews wear the black cube of Saturn on their forehead, like the third eye, and call it the tefillin. T-E-F-I-L-L-I-N. So... <laughs> This Saturn thing, i got to tell you, um, um, the 666 mark of the beast also originates from Saturn. I used to see, hear people talking about they're going to tie you down and put that chip under your skin and <laughs> give you the, the mark of the beast, right? Everybody's talking about that 666 mark of the beast. Well, it comes from here, from Saturn. <laughs> okay why does anybody need to be tied down? Why don't they just set down those devices if you want to give up that fear of wanting to be tied down because right now, they don't need to tie anybody down. They've got those devices in everybody's hands. So, yeah. Um. In India, the Hindu god Shiva Destroyer equals Satan. and They have a snake around their neck. Um. This stuff, um, in ancient Greece, the Greek name for Saturn was Kronos, K R O N O S, a key name to put into your hat because you'll start to see Kronos a lot in relationship to this Santa deal. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but what's interesting is, you see, I believe our time has been completely manipulated, right? We, we don't know what year we're in. I mean, there, there's no way of knowing. I mean, there's people out there trying to unwrap this puzzle but you know, <laughs> you know my work is really identifying who are the people that are doing all this stuff right because uh, that, that's just like a lot of religious stuff just a whole lot of guessing going on so but you know the basic premise I totally agree with that uh, our time has been completely manipulated okay so in ancient Greece the Greek name for Saturn was Kronos K-R-O-N-O-S holding a sickle He eventually became Father Time, holding a sickle with a long white beard. In many religions, like Islam and Judaism and Orthodox Christianity, men still wear long beards that goes back to these cults unknowingly in honor of Satan. So, yeah, so, (laughs) well... Maybe the people wearing the beards don't know why they're wearing the beards. But, yeah, it's, it's another symbolism about their Satan deal that they have all these people wearing the long beards. Um, um, the colors of Saturn. The colors of Saturn are black and red. I mean, how uh, black and red? I mean, Santa has what, black and red? Um. <laughs> okay. Um Oh, this I found interesting because I was looking at this symbol and uh, in the United Nations, there's a special room called the meditation room for meditation, introspection, etc. There are no chairs or sofas to sit on, just a large black cube donated to the U.N. by the king of Sweden. Uh, The And as I talked about this so many years ago, I'll I'll refresh everybody's memory here. So, um, (laughs) that's why you just keep looking, kids. You just keep looking. It even gets more interesting as you keep looking, right? Okay, so, um, (laughs) okay, so in this room called the meditation room, you can easily go find pictures, okay? It's the cube. Remember, Remember, Saturn's all about this cube, right? Um. It was donated to the UN by the King of Sweden. The marketing company who handles all the UN's marketing materials is called the Lucius Trust. <laughs> I talked about this, I don't know, years ago. but th- So anyways, they're this marketing company. So the UN produces a lot of literature, obviously, right? Because they're the UN. They, they just, just produce endless literature. <laughs> so... It's called the Lucius Trust, and it used to be called the Luciferian Trust. And I, I'm going by memory here. It was in the, I don't know, very early 1900s that Luce, Luciferian Trust, I guess, became a bridge too far. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they, they did a name change. It was Luce, Luciferian Trust, and now it's called the Lucius Trust. <laughs> And then you start looking at Saturn and logos and, you know, ones like, they all have it. Okay. Bud Light even has a Saturn symbol there. Um, So, so I think that they've got us worshiping this stuff in a whole lot of ways. Okay. Um, So, I think I've already talked about all this stuff. Let me keep going here. Um, So, yeah. Um. I didn't talk about this. Um, Yeah, you'll have to look at Saturn and stuff because it could get... um, I don't want to turn this into um, confusion because the basic bottom line is this. What I would encourage you to take a look around, okay? Um, Because there's also like the Temple of Saturn, which is... Uh, you can easily find a picture of the Temple of Saturn and um, so and this is where it also brings in all these people spreading this stuff about children being sacrificed Um, so I had looked into um, sacrifices in Saturn okay And that was considered a Roman cult practice, okay? Sacrifices to Saturn were performed according to Greek rite with the head uncovered in contrast with those of other Roman deities which were performed with the head covered. Saturn himself, however, was represented as veiled. As, for example, in a wall pa- pa- painting from Pompeii that shows him holding a sickle and covered in a white veil. So as you go around to explore old pictures, you'll look for Saturn in this white veil, okay? Um, I love looking at pictures. I, I hope you do too, because it's fascinating once you start to take a look at them. Um <laughs> it has my kind of thing to it, doing this kind of work all these years, because it has that element of absolute horror, and then it has that amazement, and then it has that dark humor wrapped into there somewhere, right? When you look at all the copying and pasting they do, the backstories they cook up and all that, so, um, yeah, so... So, um, well so cults outside of rome little evidence exists in italy for the cult of saturn outside rome but his name resembles that of the Etruscan god satres the potential cruelty of saturn was enhanced by his identification with cronus known for devouring his own children he was thus used in translation when referring to gods from other cultures the Romans perceived, so he was always referred to as what they perceived as being severe. He was equated with the Carthian god, which is Baal, to whom children were sacrificed, and to Yahweh, whose Sabbath was referred to as Saturn, Saturn's day. Okay, um, kind of a gruesome deal going on here, right? Um, Saturn is associated with a major religious festivity in the Roman calendar, Saturnina. I would really encourage you to look at Saturnina. It was a time where they reveled and handed out gifts and got made into Christmas um, yeah, and Saturn is, you know, oh, the gladiator thing, okay um Um, anyway, I will let you take a look because um, it is, it's kind of something else. And um, it is something that I hope that people don't just sit back and think, well, if somebody comes along and explains it to me, I'll figure it out because, um, well, it's, it's a good puzzle to try to take a look at because for each thing you start to take a look at, more things will unfold. And the whole thing is to stay on focus. Okay, so um, this was interesting. Um, They have, um, you can look at um, spiritually Saturn is associated with both the root chakra and the crown. As the ruler of the root, Saturn relates the earth element, the physical world, and all the trials and limitations that come with being in the world. As the ruler of the crown, Saturn represents the resolution of karma and they move into higher consciousness. Saturn is a teacher, but unlike Jupiter the metal of Saturn, is traditionally lead because it represents the weight of the responsibilities we carry. Magically, Saturn is the power of manifestation. Yeah, that would be interesting because these people are all about gobbling up more stuff, right? So, I remember all the New Age people were all about just manifest at all. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, it brings things into form, both our karma and our intentions, if they match our spiritual path. Spatter, Saturn is the master of discipline, named after the Roman version of the Greek Chronos. See, here again. The titan ver- association with the harvest and reaping, both rewards and consequences. Here we again. Rewards, consequences. Everything's dual, right? Um... Saturn is often like our Father Time and Grim Reaper archetype mixed into one. In the Kabbalah, Saturn is associated with the Sephiroth of Bina and linked to the Divine Feminine Cosmic Goddess and Destroyer. Saturn is the power of the Primal and Ancient Ones in any culture, the First Gods, the Ancient Father, and Mother. The sign of Saturn is the earth sign Capricorn, the mountain goat. And because the sun enters the sign of Capricorn at the winter solace, a time traditionally associated with the birth of the divine child in many cultures, Saturn is also linked with the divine child of life and rebirth. Saturn has many divine faces. It matters not which one we listen to as long as we listen to that small voice of guidance before it becomes a landslide. <laughs> Saturn can be called upon for magic involving protection since it binds and limits. Use it to bind and limit any harmful energy. That's not advice from me. I'm just reading what... you know. I, I look at Saturn from many different angles. But yes, I, I do believe that we, we can communicate using powers other than written words and verbal words, right? So, it is important for one to protect himself from random outside energies. This is just That is the concept that I think is important to understand. Because that brings a lot of extra trauma into our lives if we don't know how to um, manage, let's say, that part, okay? Okay... Astrologically, Saturn is associated with the principles of limitations, restrictions, boundaries, practicality, and reality, crystallizing, and structures. Saturn governs ambition, career, authority, and hierarchy, and conforming social structures. It concerns a person's sense of duty, discipline, and responsibility. So yeah, that's why they're always talking about these returns of Saturn and stuff, right? So well, that's quite a um, quite a deal to get into. Um, so yeah, um, I think I read this part about Sa- Santa and the pagan stuff. Um, But let me just recap with this right here, and then we'll be done here. Um, there's just a lot to unpack here. But if I don't share it, as I've got all these files going and stuff, it'll start to, you know, morph into something else because I've got so many things that I'm working on. Because understanding this part helps us to understand the next part that I'm looking at, which is the other manipulation via, you know, the movies and. How we got a lot of these ideas, right? Um, Because all the ideas that we have complied with, most of them didn't happen at the point of a barrel of a gun, right? Most of them happened through some sort of psychological manipulation, right? And what better way to injure a nation would be to get all the children all, you know, tortured over things like Santa and stuff, and then bring that into their adulthood and stuff. It just has a lot of. I'll just let you think about what you th- how you think this looks, okay? Um, but it seems like a pretty evil setup. Um, so let me just recap with this: um, Satan is a figure originating in Christianity, while Luc- Lucifer is an ancient figure from pagan mythology. Okay. In Christianity, Satan represents evil and temptation, while in pagan mythology, Lucifer represents light and goodness. I'm reading you this list now at the close here, so that then hopefully if you go to do more research on your own, these things will all be kind of, well, it took me a while to kind of untangle them all, so I'd like to share with what the final result was. Satan was originally a symbol of opposition to God, while Lucifer was seen as a symbol of hope and inspiration. In Christianity, Satan is often depicted as a snake or dragon, while in pagan mythology he may be depicted as an angel or man. Satan is often thought to be behind the evil of the world, while Lucifer is often seen behind a symbol of hope and light. Yeah, and there's a lot about this hope and light stuff, um, a whole lot about that, because that's how they set out hope to crush dreams, right? Which is, you know, I would say their complete marketing strategy, right? In order to try to control somebody's mind, you got to get it to their weakest point, right? And I, it would appear to me that that would come through many subtle ways. And I have a lot more to say about this particular thing down the road here. But for now, I'm going to go ahead and close out, because this helped me to take a look at, you know, this is also a huge vehicle to traumatizing everybody in the entire world right i mean just like everybody um, this, this santa and satan concept is really huge so i'll i'll, I'll leave that with you to uh i'll leave that to take a take a look at um and i don't know why these songs find me i don't find them so um i'd like to close with this and um, i don't know it, it's give. wait i know what i'm doing here it's given me a lot to think about, um, just from the sheer standpoint of our psychological manipulation. Is you know, because I keep saying evil has to come packaged as help, and I know it's kind of mind-boggling to me this whole Santa deal and um, what what a presentation of evil coming packaged as help, right? Um, can't can't get more evil, more penetrative, is basically accepted by everybody as as okay to. You know, if you mention that you don't celebrate Christmas, you'd probably get met with, what are you, some kind of a uh, loser? Um, so yeah, so it's it, just a destruction of the childhood. I mean, in the images, of, I don't think, I didn't play any for Eclipse clips, but um, Shirley Temple, you know, playing those sad orphan songs about Christmas and stuff. <laughs> and the whole thing is packaged with orphans wanting Christmas presents. I mean, I was looking back at movies from the 30s and stuff, and just take a look for yourself. I mean. You know, Shirley Temple, if you don't know this, was the famous child actress. I have pictures of her in the file about elite transgenders because that poor kid, you know, she was known for her dimples. And take a look yourself. I swear those dimples are screws in her face, okay? Her face is actually deformed by some sort of screws. But anyway, so um, Shirley Temple, they were showing us Shirley Temple when she was, oh, I don't really remember, somewhere in the two-year to four-year range as a um, young hooker. Yeah, she played a young hooker, and she played a, a, a little girl that old men lectured over. Yeah, go go take a look at, if you want to understand how not really hidden all of this has been, and, you know, have some time you want to invest into how it all got going, was um, take a look at some of those old Shirley Temple movies about her being a burlesque baby. Um, very lurid kind of things and stuff, so they've had this stuff in front of our visual range for all this time. And that's why they introduce all these ads to feature transgender people. All the movies feature transgender people because that's how they've been disorientating us visually. So this is a very interesting part of all that. So I'm going to close off for now and I'll be back with more because this is just one part and I wanted to get this file put to bed before it just got insane. So anyways, be safe out there. Goodbye for now and remember... We're all in this together. Solidarity and love will win the day. So this is a song that came to me, and here it goes.
1: when there's nothing but a slow-glowing dream That your fear seems to hide deep inside I have cried, silent tears full of pride, in a world made of steel.
3: just closed off the file and then realized (laughs) I left off excuse me this person did this uh, excellent excellent um, preview of the different elements of Christmas and how they relate to what I've been talking to um, as far as the satanic thing okay so it's 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 about half an hour. So, I, but I would encourage you to pay attention. And here's here's why I'm making sure that this is included in this file. Because a, I like to keep things in one file. But the other thing is, is that. Um, things that i had to sort out along my way to this deal with the satan santa thing and stuff so should you choose to look further yourself knowing what these actual elements are like why do they have the yule log what's the mistletoe all about and all of that is very very interesting and i think you would find it very illuminating so let me go ahead and play this clip because it does well for audio for you to to listen to what this person has to say and what the actual symbolism has to do with the different things that they have us doing you know dragging the tree inside of our house and all that so here we go
4: shown that what you believe to be Christmas in your mind is not really what Christmas is in reality. What if I prove to you that Christmas was surreptitiously subjoined to Christianity with the delusive intent to have those that follow Christianity to inadvertently worship Satan. What if it was shown to you systematically induced into partaking yearly in this satanic ritual called Christmas and that you are responsible for empowering demon forces and you don't even know it. Sounds sounds crazy, right? I know. But nothing is ever what it really seems to be. You see, the problem is you don't ask questions. You just go with the flow, right, you've been taught to just do as others do, you've been programmed to go with the program, for example, let me ask you a question, why do you bring a tree in your house on December 25th, what does that signify, what does it mean, what is the reason you do it? The answer is you don't know. Let me ask you another one. What is the reason that you take that same tree that you don't know why you brought in your house and you deck it with silver, with gold, and various other ornaments? What does it mean? Why do you do it? The answer is you don't know. What is the reason you put that star on the top of that tree for? What does it mean? You don't know. What are you kissing somebody under a mistletoe for? You don't know. So now, with that being said, what you need to do is sit down and limit your ear for a few minutes so you can understand why you do these things. You can get the origin of these things, and then you can consciously decide if you want to continue doing it or if you want to do away with it, because you have been naively beguiled into worshiping Satan. And I'm going to show you exactly how Satan infiltrated Christianity with Christmas. The festivals of Rome are innumerable, but five of the most important may be singled out for elucidation. Viz, Christmas Day, Lady Day, Easter, the Nativity of St. John, and the Feast of Assumption. Each and all of these can be proved to be Babylonian. And first, as to the festival in honor of the birth of Christ, or Christmas, how comes it that the festival was connected with the 25th of December? There is not a word in the scripture about the precise day of his birth or the time of year when he was born. What is recorded there implies that at what time soever his birth took place, it could not have been on the 25th of December. December 25th stems all the way back to the beginning of civilization in ancient Babylon uh, during the winter solstice. According to mythology, that's the day when the sun begins to regain its dominion and begin to conquer the night. Because during the winter solstice, that's the period when the night is at its longest extent throughout the whole year. And the day shone for the shortest amount of time throughout the whole year. So in a sense, there's this type of mythological battle going on between the sun and night. So what succeeded the winter solstice was a gradual increase of the sun going from its lowest point all the way up until the summer solstice where it goes into its highest point. So the pagans back then took that as a sign that the sun was beginning to regain dominance over the night and they began to make deities out of it. So for instance, you have the Egyptian god Horus who was born on the winter solstice of December 25th. Uh, you have the Greek god Helios, who was born on the winter solstice of December 25th. You have the Greco-Roman god Um Apollo, who was born on December 25th. You got the Hindu god Mithra, who also was born on December 25th. And you got the demon of all demons, the deity named after Nimrod, Baal, who after Nimrod's death, he was deified by his mother Semiramis, and turned and claimed that he became the sun god. He also was born on December twenty-fifth. The scholars know, and all the elite know that December 25th has always been used as a pagan day to conjure up spirits and demons. It's always been used that way. So now what they did was take the Bible and infiltrate it and then put the name Christ over it and got the whole world conjuring up spirits and empowering demons on December 25th when it has nothing to do with the birth of Christ at all. At the time that the angel announced his birth to the shepherds of Bethlehem, they were feeding their flocks by night in the open fields now no doubt the climate of Palestine is not so severe as the climate of this country but even there though the heat of day be considerable the cold of the night from December to February is very piercing and it was not the custom for the shepherds of Judea to watch their flocks in the open fields later than about the end of October what the Bible does say is that during the time of Christ's birth, the shepherds were outside feeding the flocks and grazing them by nighttime. And anybody in their right mind would tell you that there's no way shepherds are going to be outside in the dead of winter grazing flock in the blistering cold. The Bible does not substantiate winter birth. Because there's no way the shepherds would be outside grazing flock in the the dead of winter when it's blistering cold. I stay in Florida where they have mild winters. And there's no way, even in the wintertime, I'm going to be outside in the middle of the night grazing the flock. And I have sheep. There's no way I'm going to go out there and be grazing the flock. They're going to have to wait until the morning. At the birth of Christ, every woman and child was to go to be taxed at the city whereto they belonged. Whether some had long journeys, but the middle of winter was not fitting for such a business, especially for women with child and children to travel in. Therefore, Christ could not have been born in the depth of winter. And during the time of Christ's birth, Mary and Joseph had to go back to their city to be taxed. The Romans had set up a... Uh, Publicans all throughout the land of Israel to to have the Israelites come and pay tribute to them, And there's no way in the world that the Romans would have set up a Taxation time during the dead of winter because back then they didn't have cars and stuff where you can jump in with a heater people had to walk and Had to go out um, However means necessary, but they didn't have heaters with them so in the dead of winter when it's blistering cold That would not be a beneficial and an appropriate time to have people come all the way back to get taxed in their own cities. Zondervan Bible Compact Dictionary, Christmas, the anniversary of the birth of Christ, and its observance celebrated by most Protestants and by Roman Catholics on December 25th, by Eastern Orthodox churches on January 6th And by the Armenian church on January 19th, the first mention of its observance on December 25th is in the time of Constantine, about A.D. 325. The date of Christ's birth is not known. The scholars themselves know that Christ was not born on December 25th. They know that for a fact. That's factual to them. But what they, what, what happens is the government sets up preachers to go out and tell you some fabricated lie and have you teaching and participating in satanic rituals while they sitting back twirling their thumbs because they know that, they, they know the truth already. And while you over there conjuring up demons, they sitting back laughing enjoying it and, and getting power. Constantine himself knew when he set it up that Christ was not born on December 25th he knew that he knew that it was a pagan ritual that was passed down from the Babylonians to the Egyptians uh, to the Greeks all the way down to the Romans and that he all he was gonna do was compile it together and have all the Christians thinking that they worship in Christ when he knew good and well that it had nothing to do with the birth of Christ The governmental system today knows that it has nothing to do with Christ. But they're not going to say anything. They they write it in the books, but they're not going to say anything because you are conjuring up spirits and giving power to the demonic forces that rule the earth. How then did the Roman church fix on December the 25th as Christmas Day? Why thus, long before the 4th century and long before the Christian era itself, a festival was celebrated among the heathen at that precise time of the year in honor of the birth of the son of the Babylonian queen of heaven. During the time of the Romans, they had a celebration during the same time of the year in December called the Saturnalia, where they would walk around and give each other gifts, sing songs, and have a bunch of orgies, a freak fest. This was, it started out with two days from December 17th to December 19th. Then it was extended to a week. So the Romans of antiquity were already celebrating Christmas before they knew anything about a Christ. The difference is they were celebrating and worshiping the Babylonian god Nimrod reincarnated as Tammuz. They changed the name to to Saturn. It's the same god deified as the sun god and they was paying homage and worshiping him at that time before they had heard anything about a christ and if you know anything about history rome is the one who branched off and gave everyone their religion rome that's where your christian church comes from that's where your catholicism comes from the protestants the baptists all those stem from pagan rome And that's where you get your Christmas from. They were celebrating Christmas before they heard anything about a Christ. They was already celebrating Christmas. And it may fairly be presumed that in order to conciliate the heathen and to swell the number of the nominal adherents of Christianity, the same festival was adopted by the Roman church, giving it only the name of Christ. This tendency on the part of Christians to meet paganism halfway was very early developed. Uh, during the time of the Roman Emperor Constantine, uh, Christianity had already been hijacked already. So Constantine had a diabolic plan to gain converts and have all people come together under Christianity. But a lot of the pagans of Rome didn't want to come under uh, the, the, um, the guidelines of Christianity at that time. So Constantine devised a plan and said, you know what? Don't worry about it, you like that Saturnalia? You don't have to give that up. We're gonna incorporate that together with Christianity and we're gonna call it Christmas. So therefore we can have the best of both worlds. We can have you still worshiping the God of Saturn but all we'll do is we're gonna put the face of Christ over it. And when the pagans heard that, they like, well, we're on board then. If we can still continue to do Saturnalia, then we have no problem joining forces with the Christians, because Saturnalia was the way that Christ, uh, Christmas is uh, celebrated today. That's how large of a scale Saturnalia was. It was one of the, it was the the most prominent festival of the Romans back then. And we find Tertullian, even in his day, about the year 230, bitterly lamenting the inconsistency of the disciples of Christ in this respect. And contrasting it with the strict fidelity of the pagans to their own superstitions. By us, says he, who are strangers to the Sabbaths and new moons and festivals once acceptable to God, the Saturnalia, the Feast of January, the Brumalia, and Matronalia are now frequented. Gifts are carried to and fro. New Year's Day presents are made with din. And sports and banquets are celebrated with uproar. Oh, how much more faithful are the heathen to their religion, who take special care to adopt no solemnity from the Christians. Upright men strive to stem the tide, but in spite of all their efforts, the apostasies went on till the church, with the exception of a small remnant, was submerged under pagan superstition. Christianity had already been infiltrated heavily by Satan. They already started changing the day of worship. They switched it from the Sabbath day, which is Friday sundown and Saturday sundown, and they changed it to Sunday. The Romans did. Another pagan day. The Most High commanded to worship on the Sabbath day, and that's what they did, the Israelites did during the time of Christ. Pre-Constantine. And they end up changing it And adding pagan days to it, which is Sunday, the worship of the sun. Um, They had already started switching up the doctrines. And there was a few good men that were actually left that upheld the actual true doctrine of Christ in its true essence. And after a while, so much paganistic rituals and customs flooded in Christianity that the, the men who actually upheld the original doctrine, they ended up getting flooded out because the pagans already overflowed the Christian uh, church. That Christmas was originally a pagan festival is beyond all doubt. The time of year and the ceremonies with which it is still celebrated prove its origin. In Egypt, the son of Isis, the Egyptian title for the Queen of Heaven, was born at this very same time, about the time of the winter solstice. The very name by which Christmas is popularly known among ourselves, Yule Day, proves at once its pagan and Babylonian origin. Yule is the child name named for an infant, or little child. And its 25th of December was called by our pagan Anglo-Saxon ancestors, Yule Day, or the Child's Day. And the night that preceded it, Mother Night, long before they came in contact with Christianity, that sufficiently proves its real character the candles in some parts of England lighted on Christmas Eve and used so long as the festive season lasts were equally lighted by the pagans on the eve of the festival of the Babylonian God to do honor to him for it was one of the distinguishing particularities of his worship to have lighted wax candles on his altar the lighting of the candles when you and your family all getting together smiling lighting candles yes that means something to ancient Babylonian custom commemorating and worshipping the birth of Nimrod Satan himself see people think these customs just popped up out of thin air when they've been around all the way since the beginning of time. And they have overflowed and found their way and called their way down into modern day society today. It's the same customs, just being repeated and another name masked over it. Back then it was Babylon, today it's masked with Christ. It's the same exact custom, same ritual, same custom, same worship, same exact God. The christmas tree another paganistic custom and ritual that stems all the way back to ancient babylon it's the same exact god that unworked his way all the way through and made his way all the way up to christianity it's the same exact deity most christians don't even know that the christmas tree is in the bible god condemns dealing with the christmas tree it's an abomination tell you not to deal with it. Any Christian that has read the Bible, the reason you don't know it's in the Bible because you've never read the Bible. Most Christians never read the Bible. Because if they did, they would know they're not supposed to be dealing with a Christmas tree or any other type of tree putting ornaments and putting presents underneath it. You would know that it was an ancient custom and a heathenistic custom and a paganistic custom and a satanic worship and Luciferian doctrine. Jeremiah 10 and verse 1 hear ye the word which the Lord speaketh unto you O house of Israel thus saith the Lord learn not the way of the heathen and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven for the heathen are dismayed at them for the customs of the people are vain for one cutteth a tree out of the forest The work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers, that it move not. The Christmas tree, now so common among us, was equally common in pagan Rome and pagan Egypt. In Egypt, that tree was the palm tree. In Rome, it was the fir. The palm tree denoting the pagan Messiah as Baal Tamar, the fir referring to him as Baal Barith. The mother of Adonis, the sun god and great mediatorial divinity, was mystically said to have been changed into a tree. So early Rome uh, denoted the palm tree as Baal Tamar and the fir tree as Baal Barith. Which, when you understand anything about religious origin you'll know that these are all the same gods they stem from, the, stem from the same gods back in ancient Babylon the worship of Nimrod reincarnated after he died when he was deified by his mother Semiramis he became known as Baal and then became known as Baal Zebub or Belzebub. and when you read the bible that's the highest ranking demon In the demonic forces Luke 11 verse 15 But some of them said He casteth out devils Through Beelzebub the chief of the devils He's the head chief demon Of all the legions underneath him So when you have this tree in your house The Christmas tree You're dealing on a high level Of satanic worship Whether you know it Or not You dealing directly with Satan himself by participating in that satanic ritual that you do yearly. You conjuring up spirits right there. You you, you conjuring directly. That tree is the direct porthole to Satan himself. The bells above. The Christmas tree, as has been stated, was generally at Rome a different tree. Even the fir. But the very same idea as was implied in the palm tree, was implied in the Christmas fir, for that covertly symbolized the newborn God as Baal Berith, Lord of the Covenant, and thus shadowed forth the perpetuity and everlasting nature of his power. Not that after having fallen before his enemies, he had risen triumphant over them all. Therefore, the 25th of December. The day that was observed at Rome as the day when the victorious God reappeared on earth and held at the Natalis Invictus Solus, the birthday of the unconquered sun. Now the Yule Log is the dead stock of Nimrod, deified as the sun god, but cut down by his enemies. The Christmas tree is Nimrod Redivivus, the slain god come to life again. So the yule log is representation of Nimrod being chopped down, his death. Then you put the yule logs into the fire. Most people don't do that part of the ritual because most of you don't have a fireplace to put it in. If you got money in your own place in an actual fireplace, those are the ones that that partake into that ritual. Then after that, Yulah gets burnt, then on Christmas Day represents the reincarnation of Nimrod, which is the tree, the Christmas tree with the presents underneath it. Because the legend has it that after Nimrod was reincarnated, he'd come in in the nighttime and leave presents underneath the tree. So it's a whole ritual that's being done, and you don't have any idea why you're doing it. You're completing a whole satanic ritual and you have no idea why you're doing it. You're getting socially programmed to partake in this demonic custom and you have no idea why you're doing it. So the hypnosis starts right after you finish at the end of November. And you get bombarded with all type of uh, Christmas carols and Christmas movies and lights different colors and it's very obvious that Christmas has nothing to do with the birth of Christ because every store you go to you go to Walmart Walgreens all you're gonna hear is Rudolph the Red nosed Ranger what does that have to do with the birth of Christ You're going to hear, Santa Claus is coming to town. What does that have to do with the birth of Christ? And then on top of that, they mix in a small portion of religious belief just to mask it over and to cause confusion and make some people believe, like, okay, you know what? Maybe it does have something to do with Christ. When at all, all that is is a delusion. And a disguise to what they have you doing already. They building you up to finish to, to complete this ritual at the end of the month. So they start all the way from November with the hypnosis, and you like a a, um, a a walking zombie. They implant it in your mind and working on the and, and, you, and sending vibrations and signals into your brainwaves and getting you prepared to. To, to participate in this ritual. And you, and, 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 you, and everybody gets all hyped up and ramped up to do it. When you don't have any idea you're about to participate in a satanic ritual on a very high level. And Christians talking about they gonna put the Christ back in Christmas. How are you gonna put the Christ back in Christmas when Christ was never in Christmas. That's another delusion, have people thinking that they're doing something right. Trying to have people rationalize in their mind for the reason that they are about to go do this ritual. Well, maybe I can can just say it's the worship of Christ. No, it's not the worship of Christ. It has nothing to do with Christ and it's self-evident. When you look on the TV, you're going to see Santa Claus. You're going to see Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You're going to see a snowman. What does any of that have to do with Christ? Like it was mentioned before, Constantine mixed paganism in with Christianity. And eventually paganism overtook the whole doctrine of Christianity. it flooded the christian doctrine so there was no more remains of the actual origin of the christian doctrine that's essentially what happened and now you left doing satanic worship that's how clever satan is he done slithered his way all the way into christianity and nobody would ever take the time to look and say you know what let me find, you, everybody looking for Satan somewhere else. Maybe Satan over here. When Satan got his home base and headquarters right in Christianity. He got everybody deceived. Revelations 12, verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. When he operating right there in Christianity. No holes barred. He got you celebrating. He he got you celebrating Christmas, uh, Thanksgiving, Easter, um, Valentine's, they all Babylonian customs, satanic worship, rituals on a high demonic level. Now, and with that said, most people are still going to go and participate in that ritual. With everything being said. And they're going to try to rationalize it in their mind and make an excuse and try to say, oh, well, I'm doing it because of the family. No, you're not doing it. You're doing it is because they've been tampering with the brainwaves and they make it to where you think that you have to do this ceremony. Or people are going to look at you crazy. They start softening you up with Christmas carols. Everybody start acting funny around the Christmas time. All of a sudden, everybody's in this giving mood and nice and want to give hugs and kisses why because they socially and they're psychologically programming you to act that way and to give 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 you they, they prepare you slowly to get ready to partake in this ritual that you will do at the end of the month december 25th faithfully you're going to go you're going to sit down with your whole family and open up presents and you're going to be doing it in the name of Satan disguised as Christmas or the worship and the birth of Christ when it has nothing to do with that at all. Everybody getting all nice and friendly for the holiday season. What about the rest of the months? Why nobody's friendly then? Because Christmas is on a high demonic level and the elite know that and they got you partaking like I said, most people are still gonna go do it, and that's fine. I have. If you listen, if you want to go and uh, celebrate Christmas and worship Satan directly on a high level, I have no problem with that. That's your prior, uh, prerogative. I don't have a problem with it, but the Most High God, He has a problem with it because you can live it up all you want. Have as much fun. Crack open as many gifts as you want. Decorate as many trees. Put as many stars on the top of the trees. Kiss as many people on the mistletoe all you want. You can do that for your whole life. That don't got nothing to do with me. But once you enter into the grave and your spirit goes back to the most high, you got to stand and face him yourself. And I can tell you right now, you don't want to face him, and you've been celebrating and worshiping Satan. Hebrews 10, verse 31. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, because you're going to have to answer for it. You're going to have to sit there and answer for it. Every action and every deed that you've done, you're going to have to answer for it. I'm not going to have to answer for it. i got to answer for myself. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according that he have done whether it be good or bad so with that being said if you're going to continue worshiping and celebrating christmas so be it but to those that have an ear let them hear and you'll come out of that and you won't be part a partaker of the loophole in the system And you come out of the matrix. So, with that being said, now you know exactly
0: what the origin of Christmas is.
3: Well, there's a lot to think about. (laughs) They created a a mythical person in the Santa person, get people to bow to them, (laughs) decorate their homes for them. And uh, it's a reverse role. I mean, I'm kind of out of words. And so there's just a lot to unpack and to think about around this entire Christmas deal. Um, Well, I would have to call this my best example also of hiding in plain sight i mean come on santa is an anagram for satan i mean all of this is just well it's going to take me a while to unpack this so i'm just recording all of this while um, it's fresh in front of me so i can share with you uh, what i'm finding and uh well you know, this thing is about magic, too. And I'll be getting back to more of that with how they created this illusion of this world, okay? And if, if you stop and think about it for a few minutes, okay? If you heard the show that I just released as far as the um, Parkinson's thing with the people from Google and the idea of that glove to um, cure Parkinson's and just all the vagueness around it, okay? What I find pretty alarming is These same people, and remember, the ones that are in front of us, you know, the Sergey Brin and those are pretty much, you know, they're all puppets, okay, let's face it, and the ones at the very highest level are in fact actors who all come from royal surroundings, but I'll get way into that later, but I wanted to lay this groundwork first with this satanic thing because... This lays the groundwork for things I'll be saying in the future, because I have all these files kind of open and kind of half-worked, and this kind of really, at least for me, puts it into perspective. And, I mean, really, the overwhelming evilness of just a Santa character is just just a lot to take in. So, you know, there's times that I I have to kind of wonder, I mean, <laughs> where are we? <laughs> Why are we here? Um, I, it just just by their their own words with even the way they're tackling this Parkinson's thing and all that, it just leads me to believe that I think they're original people, and I've said this for years, they're original people who set up this game that we're living in, whatever kind of game it is, um they had a lot more brain power, right? I don't see the crowd they have in charge now. Is uh, I'm, I'm not sure how they're going to blunder through the, the rest of these steps they have going on. And really their agenda becomes even a tad bit more confusing because just recently they announced that, um, you know, it was part of one of these things through the World Economic Forum or something that they announced that uh, these big plans for babies in embryos um, something about they're figuring out how to hatch babies and embryos. So, you know, you have to put all this into context. <laughs> and go look at my pictures as far as the elite ones, as far as their scars from their lousy surgeries. and You know, the huge veins in their necks and all that stuff. These are people that aren't really... Um, let's say effectively running this ship okay and this brings me to my final point here so be safe out there and yes in case you're wondering there are many days when this theme song just roars in my head so be safe out there goodbye for now Besides being dickless wonders, uh, I'd like to, besides being dickless wonders that they are jacked up on hormones, I'd like to close with this song, which reminds me of them a tremendous deal. So, happy holidays, kids. Happy holidays. getting that song out of your head when you see one of these freaks on the screen so happy holidays kids bon voyage be safe out there remember this is all just one big act and this show today will hopefully open up one picture of this whole big act so be safe out there and goodbye for now well hello there again I actually had one more piece to this puzzle here but I'm not going to be playing it today because I'm just having too many sound issues and I have got to keep moving. So the clips I was going to play, I will give you the names of them. Please go look for yourself. One is called the Christmas tree and ancient tree worship. You realize that Christmas tree that people haul into their homes is also thought of as an obelisk or phallic symbol. Lots to do with those trees and getting us to worship their satanic things inside of our homes. So that is one clip, and it's about 15 minutes long. I suggest you look at that. And the other one, which is also very fascinating, is called The Dark Origins of Santa and His Elves. Very interesting what those little elves are. None of this stuff is good, at least that's not how I see it. Uh, they've really done quite a job here because it's the biggest holiday of the entire year talk about a way to pull the rug out from kids, right? Get them thinking all this stuff is gonna happen that never quite happens that way. Get started by getting parents to lie to their children. And it all has to do with ancient worship, taking the children and handing the child off to their deity when you in fact hand a crying child over to Santa Claus. And instinctively, it seems to me that children don't have a very good feeling about Santa Claus when they first meet him. They're crying and screaming and carrying on, and the adults all laugh. I think a lot of damage is being done. But anyway, I'm going to close for here and get this thing moving on, so I hope you'll go and take a look at those clips. Talk to you later. Goodbye for now. Be safe out there.